0: 2 Corinthians 5 is our opening verse for today. And it says the following. He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone gone a new life has begun the old life is gone a new life has begun i want to give you an illustration of what what's happening here how many of you are people that like to kind of hold on to things sentimental people that you kind of you end up hoarding a lot of stuff like you still have your textbooks from college you know Forty years ago, <laughs> I mean, I, I got rid of mine just before we came here, and here's why I got rid of them: because my father-in-law, he was cleaning out his house, trying, to, getting ready to move, uh, to, to, and, and he pulled out his textbooks from his college degree. 50 years ago, well, maybe, yeah, what's right around about that? 50 years ago, 40 years ago, and he said, I always thought I'd, I'd consult these things again, <laughs> and I've never pulled them out ever for the last 40 years, and I've been <laughs> bringing them with me. I said, you know what? I'm going to take that 20-year discount. I'm going to get rid of mine now. All right, but how many of you are hoarders? You kind of hold on to stuff, right? So your life is kind of divided into people who are hoarders and the guys who just let, let stuff go, the chunkers. How many chunkers do we have over here? Just, and what about the rest of y'all? You're just like, you're just like kind of in between. You don't, you're not sure who you are. All right, we'll, we'll pray for the identity crisis in the, in the, in the, in the room. <laughs> A little later, but today we're going to talk about just a person who, um, you know, who loves to 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 help us in our situation. You know, sometimes we we might not be physical hoarders, but we are often emotional hoarders. We hold on to stuff from our past, past hurts, past offenses, past bitterness, past uh, mistakes. How many of you are regretful about past mistakes? I've made so many that um, unless it was for Jesus, I would have had things to worry over for so so, so, so much. Um, And and, and these things that, that, that we hoard, they take up space, right? They take up space in our heart. They take up space in our emotions. They take up space in our mind. Um, and, and, and they take up space in our decision-making. We end up uh, consulting all these things before we make decisions. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be hurt like that again, or I don't want to make that mistake again, or I don't want to try and fail and be ridiculed or shamed again. And so they make up so much space in our lives. Jesus wants to take care of all of this baggage that we are carrying around often, and it's just causing our lives to get cluttered. How many of you know, once your house reaches a certain level of clutter, it's like you give up. You almost almost don't see the need of cleaning anymore, the need of organizing anymore, because it's just like, you just look at that pile over there, and you go... (sighs) And then you just carry on with your life. It's just like this sigh, this big space. How many of you have moments like that in your own life where you just, you're going through stuff and you can't figure it out and so you just like, so just to be just try and ignore that and keep going. But I mean, if you know, we can't ignore these things that we're hoarding because they're always in the forefront. They're always influencing us. They're always irritating us. And they're causing us often to react instead of to act. They're causing us to do things that we wish we wouldn't do, but we almost can't not do it because we're controlled by all of these things that we've been hoarding. There's a great exchange that can take place where Jesus can come into your life and he can grab all of that junk. And he can sort it out for you. But in order for that to happen, there's some things that needs to happen in your heart. Some willingness that needs to take place with your mind, in your heart, that, that will allow him to come in and do that cleanup. Let's read. From Matthew 28, what happened during this Easter moment, during this Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday moment, and see how that eventually helps us to do a great clean out in our lives. Matthew 28, verse 1 to 6, we'll go through it piece by piece. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. They went to look at the tomb. How many of you have, have come and looked or have looked at Christianity before? How many of you have, have, have considered it and, and touched it and even participated in church, but it, it never really got into you to bring an all transformative, clean-out work in your life? Mary and, 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 Ma, and, and the other Mary went to the tomb to look at the tomb, but you know what? There was no peace to be found in the tomb There was no power, there was no solace, there was no solution to be found in the tomb. Many of you have come, many of you have participated, many of you have looked at it, but there is no power in looking at it, considering it, thinking about it, even participating in it, if the rest of the story does not become reality to you. And so what happened here was was in a moment we see There was a violent earthquake and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and he began rolling back that tomb and then he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, the Bible says, and his clothes were white as snow. And then he said to the woman, don't be afraid for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. So many of us have, 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 have tried out Christianity. We've, we've looked at church. We've looked at, at the Bible and, 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 and we've come close, but we've not actually gone to the place where Jesus. We encountered and met Jesus. And, 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 and it's like we, we're looking for Jesus. We are looking for him, but we've never really encountered him. And sometimes we walk away from the church, we walk away from Christianity disillusioned because we've been been given an empty message. We've been given a, a message that did not introduce us personally to the person of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot that can happen. You can see a lot, participate in a lot before you actually allow Jesus to enter into your life and do the work that you can't do for yourself. And this is what the message of Easter is about. It's not that we need to come and just have a look at things, but we need to allow the resurrection Christ to do what he wants to do. What does he want to do? Let's keep looking. Let's keep reading. In verse 6, he says, the angel says, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And so it's like, man, I've I've come looking for Jesus. Jesus. I've come looking for Jesus in a church building. I've come looking for Jesus in, you know, events, Christian events. I've come looking for Jesus at, you know, um, try to read the Bible. I've, I've come to stuff. I've been around people. But I've come to places, and sometimes what I found was I found emptiness. I found, I've been told, hey, you need stuff. You need to, you need to, you need to. But I, I didn't ever get it. And so I left without receiving Christ, I left without meeting him because he was not there. Let me tell you this, Jesus is not in this building. Jesus is not in churches. He's not in sanctuaries made by human hands. Jesus is not in Christian events. He's not in Christian concerts. He's not in those things. He does not dwell in them. He uses them very powerfully, yes, but he does not dwell. You won't find him there. You need to find him in a specific way. We'll talk about that today. We'll talk about that today. You see, sometimes we look at the facts of our lives, but we miss the truth. And sometimes things get worse before they get better. But it's all about us realizing that, hey, in my search for Christ, I need to move beyond the superficial. I need to move beyond the form. And I need to accept the real thing about God's Spirit needing to come and do some work in my life that I can't do for myself. That I can't do for myself. So the angel called Mary and Mary. Almost sounds like a band, right? <laughs> called Mary and Mary and said, Look, come and see. Come and see. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And as they came to to draw closer to where they thought Jesus was, they realized that Jesus is not there. Jesus is not there. And then the angel said to them, look, what you need to do is you need to go to where you will find Jesus. Go and tell the disciples that you're going to go and meet Jesus in Galilee. And so that's what happened. And I want to I make a point here about that stone for a little bit. Because sometimes we think, look, you know, we need, to, we need to find Christ in doing. We need to find our salvation in doing all the right things. Let me tell you that today's message is the exact opposite. Today's message is that we need to start looking at what was done for us. What was done on our behalf. Let me show you a quick picture here of a, what is called a weatherstone. Can you find that slide for us real quick? A stone. So this is an actual um, uh, uh, sign in a, um, uh, like a, a game farm, uh, maybe like a wild game, wild animal resort in South Africa called Machalis Park. That's how we pronounce that name. Machalis And so it basically says this. Um, now, you can find these anywhere, but this is just our version of it. It says, like, you know, you know what the weather is going to be like by looking at the stone. So if the stone is wet, what do you realize? Yeah, it's raining, right? Okay, if it's dry, it's not raining. If it's swinging, you realize it's going to be windy. And if it's white, you know that it was snowing. And, uh, you know, if, it's, if you can't see the stone... Uh, it's, it's foggy, right? And then when the stone's missing, you know, something bad happened. <laughs> Tornado hit. All right? This is a weather stone. This tells you the conditions that are out there. The stone that the angel rolled away is similar. It can tell you the conditions of your life. It can tell you how you can get peace. Is there real peace to be found in this life? You need to go check the stone. Is theres there... Is there a way that I can get set free from my bondages and my addictions. It's time you go check that stone. It can tell you what the condition can be in your life if you realize that that stone is covering and is open and is now an empty tomb that's behind it. If you check the stone, you can realize that when Jesus says who he says he is, he is speaking the truth. You check the stone. Can Jesus really change my life? Well, What does the stone say to you? You know, a Muslim was once asked why he became a Christian. Ex Muslim was once asked why he became a Muslim, why he became a Christian. And so he said to them, Let me explain it to you this way. If you're following a path to an important destination and there's a fork in the road with no directions, And next to the road, there is a dead man and there's a living man standing there. Which one do you ask for the directions? Guys, we serve not just an empty, dead religion. We serve a living person. Jesus is alive. And that's what the stone tells us. He is alive. And he has the directions that we need to take to find our peace, to find our relationship with him. Listen to what this theologian called Timothy Keller, Tim Keller says, he says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether what he said was good or bad, right or wrong, or whether you liked it or whether you didn't like it. The issue on which it all hangs is whether or not he rose from the dead. Because if he rose from the dead, you better stop believing what he was saying all the time and the empty tomb and the stone that was rolled away with the disciples and all the people that are today living examples of the transformation testifies to this one thing, that Jesus is alive. Jesus rose from the dead. And I know that there's sometimes, you know, well, you know that's, that's a little fanciful, like, you know, people rising from the dead, like, really. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about it for a little bit. We need, to, we need to settle this thing whether Jesus rose from the dead, because if he rose from the dead, his claims become of absolute importance. So my question is this. My question is this. In Matthew 28 verse, verse 11, right? no no, not verse 11, verse 12. It says, "When the chief priests had met with the elders, after the soldiers came and reported that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb. They devised a story and they told the soldiers, this is what you are to say. They bribed them. They gave them a large sum of money. And they said to them, that you need to tell everybody that the disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole Christ's body. They stole Christ's body. And then it says, verse 15, The soldiers took the money and they did what was instructed. And this story is still being circulated among the Jews to this day. In fact, even the Muslims today believe that Jesus' body was stolen. Some believe that it wasn't him that was on the cross in the first place. But the fact of the matter is that there was a bunch of people that took this pretty seriously. And think about this. Who of you would willingly die to protect a lie? Like if you lied about something and then somebody says, look, you need to deny what you're saying here or you're getting killed. Who of you would go, you know what, it was a horrible thing to do, but yes, it was a fabricated story. Or who of you would go like, you know what, I am rather going to die. Let me rather describe. Before you answer, let me describe you the death that you're going to die. You might be sawn in two. You might be disemboweled while you're still alive. You might be boiled in hot water. You might get crucified upside down. You still willing to die for that lie? You see, there was a group of people called the disciples who claimed that Jesus rose from the dead and that they saw him and that he interacted with them and he walked with them and talked with them and that he gave them certain commands to obey after he he, uh, he went to heaven. That this man rose from the dead and they were willing to stick to that story consistently through the most horrific of executions that you can imagine so either jesus so his body was stolen by his enemies right and if that was the case all that had to do was go and show the dead body to everybody hang it up in town square and go like see he never really rose from the dead here's his body and the story will be settled But there's no account in biblical history as well as secular history of any such thing ever occurring. That's all they had to do. Or his disciples stole the body. And then there's a problem of, you know, (laughs) Jesus appearing to people completely well. Remember what the Bible says about the body of Christ, how it was completely ripped apart, completely destroyed to the point that he was no longer recognizable as who he was before in physical form due to all the physical torture that he went through. And here, more than 500 people now in the time before, after resurrection and before ascension was testifying that they recognized him that he was well, that he was walking with them, only showing the wounds that was necessary to identify him. You see, the other story makes so much less sense than the story of the Bible that says that Jesus was risen on the third day and that he appeared to his disciples and gave them commands and then ascended to his father. Now, if this is true and, and you're going to decide to believe the story, you have to believe all of the story. You have to believe all that Jesus said. And that's where it becomes powerful because once you really put your faith in all that Jesus said, Jesus is able to come in and do a cleanup. Jesus is able to come in and take away that past that haunts you. He's able to come in and remove that shame that have held you down for so long. He's able to come and clean house. For those of you who this have happened to, you know that when you met Christ, a couple of things happened. Number 1, you met him and it was an extremely endearing moment. You met him and you knew in that minute that you were given peace that you did not deserve. You knew in that minute that you were forgiven, absolved of all the all the punishment, absolved of all the guilt that you had to take. And so for some of you here, you're so close. (laughs) You're standing at that empty tomb. And today another messenger is telling you, hey, the tomb, Jesus is not here. Jesus is not here. He's alive. Jesus is alive. But you know what? Jesus wants to meet you the minute the woman turned around and they went and did what the angel told them, guess who they encountered? They encountered Jesus. They met Jesus, Jesus was there with them. And the Bible says they fell on their feet, fell at his feet and worshiped him. That's the second thing that happened. When you encounter Jesus, you cannot not worship him. When you encounter the living Christ, your life changes. Because in that minute you realize who he is and what he can do for you. If you will allow him to come into your life, if you will allow him to rearrange, if you'll allow him to redefine you, to give you a new identity, to give you a new way of viewing yourself. You know, we were all created to worship things You worship what you give your time, your treasure, and your talents to, that's all. That's what you worship. For some of you, that's sports. Whatever you give your time, your talents, your treasures to, if that's more than Jesus, you worship that more than Jesus. For some of us, it's ourselves. You spend more money on yourself than you do on God. That's what you worship. Well, you'll spend your time, your treasures, your talents. Some of us, it's work. And let me tell you this, whatever you worship determines your identity. It tells you who you are. It gives you a way to view yourself. Now you will never be able to walk above shame, guilt, condemnation, weakness, addiction if your view of who you, how you view yourself doesn't change. And let me now tell you this, that no job, no promotion, no career, No achievement can give you a view of yourself strong enough to overcome the things that have caused such baggage and bondage in your life. None of it. So if you believe the story of Jesus, it's time for you to give up your life in worship to him. Give over. Hand the keys to your heart to Him. Say, Lord, from now on, this is your house. I won't dictate to you how this house needs to work. You get to define how this house works. You see, because the third thing that happens when we encounter Jesus is we want to obey Him. Not feel like we have to obey Him. No, when you encounter Jesus, you want to obey Him. You want to obey Him. Because obeying Him makes you glad. Obeying Him makes you feel great. Obeying Him is what you were actually designed to do. You were created to be in relationship with Him. You you will not find sense of your life until you find yourself in Him. Your life will always be continuing on the same kind of drag that is right now until you lose your life in Him. He wants to meet you today. He wants you to worship Him above anything else in this life. And He wants you to walk a walk of obedience with Him. One of the things that happens to a person that has encountered Jesus is that that when the angel said, Come see, the tomb is empty, and they saw it, the next thing that happened was He told them, Now go and tell now go and tell. Go and tell the disciples that Jesus is risen and that he wants to meet you. Go And it's going to happen in Galilee. You know what? That's so amazing because those women went and they told those disciples. And those disciples were like, you in, in know, like, in amazement and in doubt and in like, but what does this mean? Is it, could it be true? And, and the excitement of it all just, they were, we'd have to go and see. So, so they came and see the Galilee. Is this even true? And when Jesus encountered them, when they met Jesus, the Bible says they all worshiped some doubted. God wants you to settle the doubt in your heart today, realizing that if Jesus rose from the dead, He is the true and only Savior, and that you can entrust your life to Him, and that you can start walking that walk of obedience. But you know what happened after that? When Jesus encountered them, guess what He told them? Now go and tell. Now go and tell. You know what, the beauty of Easter is that we don't have to wait another year till we experience Easter. You can wake up tomorrow morning and have another Easter encounter. Why? Because once you've met Jesus and He's residing on the inside of your heart, now Easter has become your reality for every single day of your life. You can live in victory every day of your life. You don't have to be held down by anything that happened. No matter how bad it was, no matter how evil it was that what happened to you you can walk above that no matter how hard the things are that you're currently struggling with, you can walk in victory over that you can have joy you can have joy in your heart regardless of those challenges. Jesus' joy is not based on whether your promises are fulfilled or whether your prayers are answered His joys are joy regardless of anything that you find yourself in And as you experience His joy, you become strong on the inside to keep going until those things materialize. We've forgotten the joy of the Lord. Some of us needs to shake off just all these things that are causing us to be so down and and, and dreary. Some of us just need to go like, you know what? Christ is living on the inside of me. Something's got to move. Something of me has got to start expressing that. I am thankful, I've got victory, I've got joy. The message of Easter is not a once a year thing, it's a reality that each and of us, of us can live in every single day of our lives. It's beautiful. You don't have to say five prayers to be right with God. You don't have to come to me to get right with Jesus. You don't have to come here to worship Him. You can worship Him every morning on your way to work. (laughs) You can live in right standing with Him. You don't have to work it back every time you messed up. The power that raised Jesus from the dead dealt with that. But only if you allowed Him to come into your heart. I want to summarize the great news that we're sharing here today in four little statements. The Bible gives us the bad news first. In Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned and everyone falls short of God's glorious standard. Everyone has sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, We've missed God's mark. We've missed God's way. And that is, that defiled us to a point where we no longer live up to His standard. And let me tell you this, the Bible gives us even worse news. Galatians 3, it says, It's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to do what is right. No one can be made right with God by trying to do what is right. How many of you have tried? How many of you have come? Come and saw, hey, let me try out Sunday. Let me try out church, this church, that church. Let me try out that event, that. Try to read that book. Maybe that can help me become the better me. We've all tried. But the thing is, we are so actually deeply, consistently aware of our failure to live up to even our own expectations, let alone God's. We can't get right with God by trying to do what's right. But the Bible gives us good news that counters the bad news and the worst news. Ephesians 2, it says this, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we have been saved. It's only by God's grace. This is good news because it means that the great exchange took took place on the cross. You know, on the cross, Jesus took, hold on to this for me for a second there, buddy. If that represents all of my sin, and this here water bottle represents all of God's goodness and righteousness, what happens on the cross, and that is available to each and every one of us if we will choose, if we will submit our lives to Jesus Christ, is an exchange takes place. All of the junk, all of the past, all of the drack in my life gets taken on on Jesus Christ. And guess what gets given? God's righteousness gets given to us. Now let me ask you this, how much hat is this young man still holding on to? Jesus is holding the sin. You get to hold the righteousness. What does that mean for tomorrow's sin? Well, you better believe that this is a timeless thing because what happens after Jesus' death, a couple of years later, Jesus' sin, Jesus' act had to forgive future sin. Otherwise, he'd have to die every, every generation for the next generation, for the next generation, for what they did in the past. No, Jesus died for sin, not for past sins, for mankind's sin, all of it. And he took that upon himself. And for all of you who will believe and allow Jesus to come into your life and rearrange, he will give you his righteousness. And guess what? You'll be declared holy. Because you've got all of Christ's righteousness. Not your own righteousness. What's the better news? The better news is that we can't earn this. You don't get special kudos because you came to church on Easter. The only way you access it is by submitting your life to Jesus, by giving him the keys of your heart, by saying, Lord, I will submit my life to you. Can we all stand together today? Let's close our eyes as we pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you came You rose again, Lord God, so that all of our past, all of our hurts, all of our struggle can be chunked. Jesus, we know you rose from the dead, and we know you have the power to save our lives because you are alive. So right now, Father, we just ask that you move on every heart that is prepared to submit their lives to you. You know, when you start feeling, you know, that it's me, I, I I need to respond to this, that you start getting that, you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. That's how He starts working on you. It's like, I'm talking to you. I really am talking to you. I really am wanting you to this message the way you respond to this message is real simple it's like ABC you admit that you're a sinner you believe what Jesus did on the cross for you and you confess that you've decided to accept him as Lord and submit your life to him if that's you today and you want to confess that you've decided to give your life over to him want you raise up your hand because I want to pray with you. I'm going to count to three and if that's you, I want you to raise up your hand right now. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see it going up. If that's you, remember, He is talking to you. He's talking to you. He wants you to acknowledge Him before man like He died for you in front of man. You know, Jesus wasn't ashamed to die naked on the cross for you. Why would you be ashamed to acknowledge before man that you have accepted Him and that you've, you've given your life over to Him? I'm going to give you one last chance. Just raise up your hand right now if you want to be included in this prayer. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. Anybody else? time to not just come and see. It's time to meet Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer together. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me, whether you've been saved or, or, or not. If you want to be included in this prayer, pray this prayer. If you put up your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. Can we all help our friends here pray this prayer today? Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned and that I fall short of your standard. And I can't work my way back. I can't fix myself. But I believe in Jesus. I believe that you died and rose again. And that you are now the Lord of all the earth. But today, Lord, I wanna give my life to you. I wanna submit my life to your Lordship. I want to confess that you are my Savior. So take my life, Lord. And let it be everything that you want it to be. I lay down my will. I lay down my own selfish plans. And I give my life to you as a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you saw every hand and you heard every prayer that came from a sincere heart here today. Thank you that you meet people here today. For those of you who've been saved for so long, but all your life has been about was to come and see, come and see. And you've never gone and tell. I want to challenge you. Encountering Jesus causes us to want to go and tell. Go and tell the good news. Go and tell all the great things that He has released you from. And go and share with other people the best news is that if He did it for you, He wants to do it for them. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we just honor You. We glorify You. And as a group here today, Father, we decide that we will go out and tell we will go out and tell you saying your word, beautiful are the sound of the feet of those who bring be good news. Lord, may we be a beautiful sound to our cities. May we be a beautiful sound to this region, Lord God, as we go out and tell people about your love. Go out and tell people about your desire for men to be reconciled to you, for man to be reconciled to you. Lord, help us. By your spirit to go out and live Easter every day from now on on forward. Thank you that your Holy Spirit goes with us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God a hand.